I didn't get the built puffs. Right. Is I, my called? understanding is they are out as of talking, today. Talking about built bars. Yeah, built bars. There's a built puffs. I'm just going through uh, my box. My wife was telling me about them last this night on her on a well, little Instagram page. What are page. they again? Um, they're, I, she said so they taste like, a, like Charleston Chew, which I love Charleston Chew. That's a freaking great candy bar. Uh, and I will say, you know, you, you think, well, this is healthy. How could it taste good? Oh, That's my That's the built bar thing, right? I don't know how they do it. <laughs> they are because they don't taste chemically. Mm. You know what I mean? They don't taste like a bunch of chemicals. I don't think there is a bunch of chemicals in them. Um, they are. When I talk to the uh, head guys, uh, they say they said to me. They start with flavor first, and they get the that. flavor right, and then they say, "Okay, how can how can we make this locale and healthy?" And once the flavor goes off, that goes back into the shelf. They they're like, I would "Put that away. We don't have it right." Yeah, I, I, what I like about them is they're always innovating with like all these new flavors and new um, ideas. Which because you can get bored of the same thing over and over again. Oh yeah, but I and mean, the, the, I've the, not seen no sign of that with you and Bill Bar. This. Well, this is salted caramel with real chocolate. Uh, This is coconut almond. It tastes like a Mounds bar. Mm. It's really, really good. They're Built Bars. You can find them now at BuiltBar.com. Promo code Beck. Save 20%. BuiltBar.com. Save 20% now. America, welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Rand Paul is going to join us in just a second. We want to talk to him about the trial of Donald Trump, which he says is un- an unconstitutional sham. I wanted to, I wanted him on because he knows the Constitution in and out, and I've got lots of questions. I think it's a sham too, but. I'd like him to base that in the Constitution and tell us exactly why the president can't be impeached at this point. Rand Paul joins us in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. Car Shield. You know, I have to tell you, Car Shield has saved me a buttload of money. They've saved me probably six, seven grand uh, over the last few years. Because I haven't had to worry about my truck when it goes in for repairs. My truck needed a new chip. And you know what that's like. I mean, if your car is out of warranty and it needs a chip, that just that just makes you break out in sweat. You're like, what, what, what chip? Can it live without the chip? Because the chips is, I mean, that's where they get, that's honestly, that's how they get you. The chips can be anywhere from, you know, 500 bucks, 1,000 bucks, five thousand dollars i mean it's nuts there's no way you're going to keep your car uh if it's five thousand dollar repair especially if your car is worth about five or six thousand dollars that's the way i am with my trucks they're not worth the repair uh, but i have car shield which uh keeps my truck going because i don't have to worry about the cost of those chips 
Drive with confidence like I do, knowing that if anything happens and you're out of warranty, you're protected. Get coverage today. See why CarShield cars do go further. 800-665-2157. 800-665-2157. It's carshield.com. Use the promo code BECK and save 10%. carshield.com. Promo code BECK. Deductible may apply. So we're still waiting on uh, Senator Rand Paul to uh, join us here um, on uh, impeachment, and he has just joined us now. Doctor, how are you, sir? Very good, Glenn. Thanks for having me on. You bet. Um, I want to talk to you about uh, the what you say is an unconstitutional sham of an impeachment trial. I I don't understand. Uh, how you can have the the vote in the Senate to uh, convict and remove when he's already removed. Well, this is the whole point, and I'm going to go to the floor in about an hour, and I'm going to force a vote on this today. Republican leadership has made a deal and wants to make a deal with Schumer to allow a Democrat to preside over this hearing. But my point is, if you're impeaching the president, the chief justice needs to be there. Right. But if the person is no longer president, then he's a private citizen. It is an impeachment. If, he's, if, if someone's committed a crime and they're no longer the president, the Department of Justice has to accuse them of a crime and you go to a court. But this is only for impeaching somebody. And the Constitution says when you impeach and later on you can disqualify, but it's and. It isn't or. Right. See, if you can't impeach them any longer, we are doing something that has never been done to a president before. It's going to divide the country further. It's a huge mistake. And it belies everything Biden supposedly says about unity. No, this is the most divisive thing I could imagine the Democrats doing at this so point. Tell me tell me why John Roberts isn't coming and isn't invited. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. Well, here's the question. You know, if reporters were worth their salt, what do you think they ought to ask Schumer today? Did you talk to John Roberts? I guarantee they had a private conversation. I guarantee Schumer called him up, begging him to come over, and he said, well, the Constitution says I preside over an impeachment of the president, and he's not the president. Because the Democrats realize this is going to lessen the legitimacy or call into question the legitimacy of the proceeding. But I guarantee that if they had a conversation, people should be, if reporters were worth anything, they would be pounding Schumer every day saying, did you talk to John Roberts? What did he say? Because John Roberts' opinion here is very important. It goes to the very nature and legitimacy of this thing. And with John, with John Roberts not showing up, the Chief Justice not being here, I really think that this is an illegitimate process from top to bottom. So does the Constitution say the Chief Justice has to be seated in that role? If we're an impeachment of the president. So you could argue that John Roberts is actually right. He shouldn't be here, but by not being here, he's calling into question the proceeding at all. Because there is no call for the impeachment of an ex-president, of a private citizen. So he's either the president or he's not. So he's not the president. So the chief justice shouldn't come. But then it also calls into question the whole idea of doing it. Now, they say, oh, well, we've done this before. Well, the country's been very divided in the past, and no one's ever been convicted. No one's ever tried to try an ex-president because of how it would divide the country, but also because there's no provision for impeaching an ex-president. So 
The other argument that I will make today is that if they're talking about inciting violence, there's a few Democrat words that we might want to evaluate. Number one, I was there when the Bernie Sanders supporter almost killed Steve Scalise at the ball Mm -hmm. field. He almost killed one of our coaches. And you know what the Democrats were saying at the time? They were saying the Republican plan for health care is you get sick and you die. That, to me, sounds like an incitement. If you're telling me that the Republicans are going to let me die, you can see how you know there's all these kind of glorified movies of people committing violence when their children are going to die for not having insurance. That is an incitement to violence. But not one Republican ever called for Bernie Sanders to be impeached because we thought that was ludicrous, and it wasn't necessarily his fault that this man reacted violently. But they're going to have a different standard. For the president who said, march peacefully to the Capitol, they're going to say, oh, no, that was incitement to violence, and he's responsible. But not Bernie Sanders, not Maxine Waters, not Cory Booker, who said, get up in their face. So it's a, it's, it's a double standard, and people are going to see it for that. But does it matter anymore? I mean, it seems as though the fix is in between um, big corporations and uh, and government. It just seems like the fix is in. And who cares about double standards anymore? Because nobody nobody ever does anything about it. Nothing changes. Well, the thing is, is I'm not one who wants to give up. You know, I know people are very frustrated. People are like, well, you know, if all this fraud happened and nobody's going to do anything, why should I even vote? I'm of the opposite opinion. Right. We control thirty. We control thirty-five state legislatures. The Republican Party does. We need to beat those Republicans over the head until they fix the electoral system. I'm already calling people in the Georgia legislature and saying, "Y'all need to fix it because 2022, the Senate race will be back up again, and you need to fix your system where people can't vote twice, where you purge the rolls, and you need to fix it." where you cannot solicit people, you cannot use taxpayer money to send out applications to vote. The individual should have to apply for a ballot. MoveOn.org shouldn't be able to apply. Neither should the NRA. It should be the individual applying for a ballot. If you change the rules to do that and you get back to show your ID in person, I think there's a possibility we could get back to fair elections, and I am going to keep fighting instead of – but it can't be done in Washington. It never could have been done in Washington. Mm-hmm. It won't be done in Washington. We don't control anything in Washington now. Plus, those of us who believe in states' rights think that elections should be uh, in the charge of the uh, states. And so, But I, I wouldn't give up on it. We can fight, and we should, because if they get to where we do all mail-in ballots, we'll become like Oregon and now like Colorado. They do all mail-in ballots there. Who knows who the hell votes in those elections? But guess what? Only Democrats win. I I will tell you that uh, this is the way I feel. I'm just frustrated in talking about the double standard and pointing out what the news is saying and what they're calling name calling because it's like it's nothing's going to stop that. I am with you 100 percent that we have got to get into our local communities and our states and people say, well, we can't fix the other states. Don't worry about the other states. Fix yours. And shore it up and do everything you can to make sure that it is buttoned up and is, as metaphorically speaking, bulletproof as possible. But the one reason I would say we have to call it the double standard is today, if I don't say anything, Republicans and Democrats will agree by unanimous consent to install a Democrat to preside over this proceeding. Right an illegitimate proceeding with an illegitimate Democrat overseeing it. So I'm going to object to that and call out the double standard. And I I don't think we'll win. The Democrats will win, but I'm going to force them to vote on it 
And my hope is that I get 40 Republicans to vote with me. And if I do, that shows they don't have the votes to to impeach at that point. And so basically the trial is over. They can go through the manipulations. But if 40 of us vote that this is an unconstitutional use of the impeachment power, then they're done. They can do whatever the hell they want. But we will show them that we're going to stand strong. But if I don't do this, our leadership will acquiesce with Schumer. There'll be no vote. And they will go through the whole trial as if this sham is actually a real impeachment. So I'd say we do have to fight them. And I don't know. I'm just not willing to give up on it. I keep fighting them every day, whether they're in my party or in the other party. I keep fighting fight on in a figurative way, Glenn. Make sure we say that right. that fighting is figurative. Yeah. But uh, so I don't know. But I, we're going to win some battles. And really, uh, come 2022, you're going to find that people are going to be quite unhappy with the unemployment that Biden's going to bring them as well. It's stunning what he is doing and the effects that it will have on the economy. Just stunning that these things are, um, these things are happening. Um, Rand, you have an opponent in the uh, Republican party, uh, Mitt Romney, who is really pushing hard uh, for it, seemingly pushing hard for this impeachment trial. Um, And it really is only about making sure that Donald Trump can't ever run for office again. Um, Do you think you can, hold 40 senators together? Yeah, I think we do probably have 40. There's a, you know, we have 48 total and I'd say there's five or six that have been leaning the other way. But to tell you the truth, some of that five or six have been more critical of the, you know, the, uh, policy of trying to overturn the Electoral College and of the president's remarks, you know, trying to get the vice president to intercede, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And maybe when push comes to shove, and they also think about self-preservation, which, you know, there are most politicians ultimately do, they may decide that, well, you know what, I don't think this is really constitutional and the best. It gives them an out. They can still criticize the speech. They can criticize the policy. But then they can say, well, do we really want to get into the point of you know, uh, impeaching former presidents. My friend Thomas Massey, the congressman from Northern Kentucky, tweeted out today, he said, yeah, when we start doing it, line up, I want to do FDR. Let me have FDR. So, you know, it's just a crazy notion. But no, I think we can. I think we get 40. And if I'm lucky, maybe we get 43, maybe 45 out of the 48. So we won't get Romney. He's already said he thinks it's constitutional. It ought to be done. Mm -hmm. But there are a couple others that may just choose to criticize the president on the policy, but may say it's kind of crazy to impeach an ex-president. One last topic I want to talk to you about, and that is, you know, we're hearing from everybody. Uh, we have to deprogram these Trump people. Uh, and and they're also using language that they're domestic terrorists, etc. And it, uh, it appears as though, I watched the hearing for the uh, head of the Department of Homeland Security, he said domestic terrorism is number one on his agenda. Now, I, I remember the Obama years. I don't think they're talking about the same kind of domestic terrorism that uh, I would talk about. This is one of the problems with the Patriot Act. It can be so easily turned around and used on anybody. You're um, exactly right. You're exactly right. But here's the good news, Glenn. The good news is the camps that we will be sent to will be run by Katie Couric, and she has that beautiful smile. (laughs) You will just take your Soma, Glenn. It won't hurt so much. Right, right. You take your Soma, you'll drift off into uh, some sort of opiate sleep, and uh, they will reprogram you. you So it, uh, it, it, it is funny, and that's the way everybody deals with it. Is it at all a reality that this 
is a direction that they're seriously going in. And I'm not talking about camps, but I'm talking about labeling people like you yeah. or me as domestic yeah. terrorists. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I don't want to treat it just as a joke because the Patriot Act was no joke and they used it not against terrorists. They used it against average ordinary Americans. In fact, not just some average ordinary Americans. Everybody had a cell phone. They, they collected all of our phone calls and then James Clapper lied about it. And so, yes, it is very dangerous to see what happens. And it's always important to read the details of these because they say, well, if we're going after terrorists, I'm like, well, yeah, I don't like the, you know, the people who blew up the, the courthouse in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm fine with them getting the death penalty. I'm fine with them being in jail forever. Those are bad, murderous people. You know, that is domestic terrorism. But if domestic terrorism is, you know, according to George Stephanopoulos, I'm sure he thinks I'm a terrorist because mm-hmm. I refuse to accept that there was no fraud in the election. Mm-hmm. So if it becomes an ideological test, I read something scary yesterday that there are people who want to bring back the ideas of sedition, the Alien and Sedition Acts that John Adams put forward, which basically was putting Americans, including one congressman, in jail for their speech. Because people say you don't have a right to misinform people, but then who becomes the judge of what is misinformation, what is true information? This is a scary world they're talking about, so I don't want to downplay it at all. We will have to, but the hard part, as you know, is they're going to point towards some really bad people who committed violence and say, oh, you want to let that happen? And we'll have to be able to um, be good enough in our response to say, no, we're talking about speech and who's going to be the arbiter of true speech. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the argument between the uh, many of the founders during the Sedition Act, they they argued that you could as press, they could even lie and make things up. They had a right and the government had no place uh, in that argument uh, at all to try to shut them down. I mean, they. They went as far in their correction of that um, as I mean, almost to the point of me being kind of uncomfortable uh, when you first hear the ideas until you actually really read them. Freedom of speech means that freedom of speech. And it's it's a platitude, but I think it's true that people say the answer for bad speech or disinformation is more speech, not less. But there's something profound in that statement in the sense that um, it's an elitist idea to believe that, you know, if, 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 if you allow Nazis to speak and say hateful thing about people of other races or you allow racists to speak, that somehow there aren't enough of us to combat that, that mm-hmm. somehow we're weak and feeble-minded enough that those ideas will overcome us. Um, I don't think that's true. In fact, I think America is, is more accepting uh, um, and more integrated in, in thought and race than we've ever been whether it's churches or marriage, um, you know, half the people I know, you know, I don't know the percentages, but I know lots of people everywhere around me who are married to people of other races. That's a commonplace thing and a good thing. And uh, we we are a country that is not a racist country. We are not a country that hates each other. I just get so tired of these people saying what a terrible place America is, when in reality, we are better than we have ever been in my lifetime. And gosh, think of the last 200 years, how much better it is to be alive now if you're a person of color or a person of a different faith, or if you're a person that is somehow a minority. Maybe you're even a person who wants to teach your kids at home. That's actually even more acceptable for the most part. Just a person. Rand Paul, thank you very much. Senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul would be looking forward to your uh, speech today and see how the Republicans line up.
American Financing, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So economists now are starting to predict that this year rates in the housing industry are going to start to increase. Uh, Is this an alarming thing? Well, uh, one of the reasons why people believe it's going to start to increase is because the banks have said they're going to increase the interest rates to pay for the higher taxes that the Biden administration wants to charge them. And it could be uh, good if the uh, rates began to rise again for the economy. But that said, low mortgage rates have always been bad for the economy uh, and have always been good for you. At least low interest rates going this low for this long. It's a limited time, possibly. Please Call the mortgage consultants over at American Financing. Family-owned and operated business, been helping decent people just like you shore up their financial houses for over two decades now. So call American Financing at 800-906-2440, 800-906-2440, or go to AmericanFinancing.net. 10 seconds, station ID. Stu and I have a uh, solution uh, coming up for all those people who say two masks are better than one to wear two masks now. Um, And uh, we're going to share that with you. I mean, this is science. This is science on this show. To get this under control, you know, so people can come back to their normal lives. And, you know, one mask is not enough. I think we all know that now. That's don't we? I mean, that's been shown. Yeah. So now I mean, you have to wear a mask because, well, you just have to wear a mask. And, and if you if you wear a second mask, it's just going to be that much better. Exactly right. Exactly. right. You know, and we should also keep our teachers safe and keep our schools closed. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I it's not really a lot of evidence that shows that it's spreading through schools. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly. Th- In fact, the evidence is just the other way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, gosh, darn it. Those, you know, those uh, Chicago teachers. <laughs> They are not going to take it from the district officials. Uh, I mean, that union is saying we are here to protect the children and the teachers. Has there ever been a clearer vision of how much teachers unions care about students than this this crisis? You've seen over and over again that teachers unions have uh, decided to basically not do their jobs uh, as as much California as possible. Is. California and and Illinois are probably the worst uh, yeah. in that. Now They're, we've seen lots of teachers who do want to do their jobs and really yeah. care about their kids, yeah. but the unions are another story, and they've been able to prove that to everyone very clearly they, over and over and over have again. They, they have to make. Uh, I mean, they have to me too. But I was already on that road. I, I wonder if people were like, you know, I love the teachers' unions. They're great even though I'm not a member. Well, if you remember at the beginning of this, there was a lot on the left saying, like, we shouldn't send kids back to school. Eventually, the science was so clear that even people on the left are now saying, okay, yeah, send them back to school. Even people like Bill de Blasio are saying it. Yeah, well, good thing we have the teachers' union to protect those students. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Don't worry about the epidemic of suicides. You got to keep those kids at home. All right, let me tell you about our sponsor. It's AMAC. Knowing who you can count on has never been a more valuable commodity. 
maybe never so much as it is right now times are chaotic sometimes really kind of scary and let me tell you about one group in washington who is fighting it and you can stand with it's amac now amac is the association of mature american citizens the senior group that is now God, i don't like that i'm a member of a amac i don't like to be called i'm in a seniors group you know and we play canasta at two o'clock right after dinner uh, anyway, AMAC believes in the values that constitutional conservatives care about. They represent courage, faith, and reason in trying times. They stand for solvency in a time of runaway debt, national security, and sovereignty over unchecked borders. It's AMAC. They fight the good fight. And you get all of the benefits that you need from a seniors organization. Cause is great. Join right now, AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Beck. That's AMAC dot U-S slash Beck. And there's a special deal right now for 30 bucks off your Blaze TV subscription. If you go to blazetv.com slash Glenn, the promo code is Glenn to get that 30 bucks off for a limited time. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck program. Our, uh... Our solutions for COVID coming up in just a second. We have Mark Meckler on with us. Mark is the founder and president of the Convention of States Project, which is something that really hasn't been talked about in the last four years. I think a lot of people thought, oh, well, Donald Trump is in office, and so it's going to be fixed. Uh, No, this is not going to be fixed by anybody. Uh, This has got to be fixed by us uh, as individuals as close to home as possible, certainly not in uh, in Washington. Mark, welcome back to the program. How are you? I'm good. It's great to be with you, Glenn. So, we, you know, the problems are getting bigger and bigger since we last talked. Have, have the numbers of the states, we need 34 states to call a convention, 38 to ratify any amendments that would be proposed. Uh, what do our numbers look like for those states that, that actually want to... Uh, make some changes. Yeah, it's changed a lot since we last spoke, since I I was there with you. I think we're at six states at that point. Now 15 states out of the 34 are on board. This year we have 21 states considering. I think we're going to look at adding between six and 10 states this year. So we'll be well past the halfway mark. Uh, So you you said you had 16, so you'd be at 26 and you need 34. Um, Is that feasible? Here in the next year, do you think 34 could be feasible? I would say in the next two years, you have to get enough of the legislatures that are considering it. And so, and I'm, you know, like my real goal right now to get to 34 is by 2024. And I say that because we have 31 legislatures that currently have both houses controlled by Republicans. The Republican legislature is, of course, much more likely to want to take power away from Washington, D.C. We have Minnesota. That's a split house, so we just have to flip one house. I think we can do that. I think Virginia is going to flip this year, and our activists are engaged in flipping these state houses all over the country. So what about the states that are controlled right now by Republicans? What, what's holding them back? Well, unfortunately, the number one thing holding them back is, is what I would describe sadly, as the fringe right. And what you have is you have folks from an organization, might recognize the name from way back when, called the John Birch Society. And they come into these legislatures and they try to scare the legislators in fear cells. And what they say is, we're going to have a runaway convention and we're going to lose our constitution. And my response to that is, 
are you watching what's going on in Washington, D.C.? Do you think you're living <laughs> under the original Constitution? Right. I fear what's going on in Washington, D.C. right now, and the Marxists who've actually taken control far more than I fear anything that the citizens could do. You know, and I, I fear that it's not the Marxists that are uh, taking control. I think the Marxists are the, uh, are the hand that we are supposed to watch and are the enforcing hand. Uh, I think we have the government uh, colluding with uh, giant corporations now, uh, and we're living in an oligarchy, but maybe no, that's No, I'm me. in absolute agreement, Glenn. I think we're seeing something unusual, which is we have absolute cooperation based yep. on philosophical alignment between an oligarchy and people who believe in Marxism in government. Right. So it's a unusual situation to see that voluntary cooperation yeah and it doesn't make sense if if you understand how business works it just doesn't make sense um unless you understand it's a an, an oligarchy that is up up at the top um so whether the states that are close that our listeners could get involved with to try to pressure the states I would say the states that are immediately in the docks are West Virginia is hot, North Carolina is hot, South Carolina is hot right now, Idaho. In just in the last few weeks, I've been in Idaho, Montana, and Wisconsin. All of those states looking very strong. And the reality is wherever they are, even in the states that have passed, for example, in my home state of Texas, the grassroots are still very active. They're active in helping other states. They're active in maintaining the resolutions in their own states. And they're active in other issues. Like right now, our grassroots across the country, all five million of them are active in, in ballot integrity and election reform. So, Mark, answer the question seriously, because it is something that I heard a lot and concerned me a great deal until I talked to you answer the question about a runaway convention where we lose our rights and we lose our our bill of rights sure there's a couple answers i'm going to start with the end answer and the simplest one which is a convention is only a suggesting meeting in other words people are going to come out of there with suggestions and they're going to send those suggestions out to the states for ratification it takes 38 states to ratify that's the highest bar in the entire system of american governance very difficult to reach. And that means only 13 states can stop anything. So I'm going to posit the one that I hear most often, Glenn, which is we're going to lose our Second Amendment. It takes only 13 states to not ratify. Not ratifying means they simply don't take it up. I can tell you in 24 states in the United States of America, you can carry a handgun into the capitals. I do all the time. I'm armed everywhere I can be. In 15 states, you can actually sling an AR across your back and sit in the gallery, not something that I do. But the idea that those states are somehow going to ratify the repeal of the Second Amendment, it's absurd and ridiculous. And I'll make the same offer to your listeners I always make. My personal email, mmeckler at cosaction.com. If you believe in the runaway convention myth, send me the amendment you believe would be ratified by 38 states in the list of 38 states. I've made that offer to millions of people. I've never received an email. Um, you, you talk about a fork in a road that we're, that we're at, and I, I think you're absolutely right. You say the first, <clears throat> the first, the first turn is the country comes apart, secession, civil war, violence, um, uh, because we 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 can't physically divide. As much as I wish we could just say, "Hey, California, live the way you want to live," um, but that's really the second one, um, which is we go back to the way we were, where states have great powers to do whatever they want. <clears throat> and they can live whatever they want, but I'm not I, I don't have to pay for California's mistakes and I don't have to live that way in Texas. 
we can just divide by, you know, almost natural selection, if you will. People just congregate with like minded people. Um, But I don't think that's going to happen either. You say, look, I think we're at a fork in the road, as you describe. I call it the great decoupling. It's taking place in America, and I think it's inevitable. It's unstoppable. You know, culturally, we're dividing. Politically, we're dividing. Uh, We're dividing commercially. We're starting to do business with different firms and, and different ways of doing business. I think that's going to continue, and I don't think it's bad. One way you said that we decouple this secession, I don't see how that happens without violence and destruction. Correct. And the loss of our place in the world. In 1787, the founders are facing a dangerous world. Not just Great Britain, but France and Spain, potential worldwide enemies that would have loved to have taken over the colonies. They understood that they needed to unite. They actually didn't like each other. This is something that we mistake when we look back at the colonies. We think they were so united. They united against a greater common foe, but they didn't trust each other. There was sectarian Christianity was one of the main things that divided them. Trade, diverse loyalties. We've never actually really been unified in the way people think as a country. The South is different than the North. The East is different than the West. There's actually a lot of disdain out there between the parts of the country. It's okay. In fact, our founding form of government came out of that. Federalism is a government designed for people who don't like each other that much, don't really get along, but know that they have to be united around a certain set of things. Otherwise, they're going to be too weak in the world. That's the beginning, and we need to go back to the beginning, and the tool that takes us back there is a convention of states. We take the power away from the federal government, we give it back to the people in the states, we let California be California and Texas be Texas. So what are the one thing that they, the states that are joining, what is it they're looking to change? Is there a common thread that all of them are saying, yeah, we're going to, we really think we should propose this? There are three common threads, and this is what the convention is designed to address. One is anything that would put the government's fiscal house in order, that would limit the fiscal power of Washington, D.C. So that would include things that people would be most familiar with, like a balanced budget amendment being imposed. Most of the states have them. They're not all healthy because of them, but they do better because of them. Uh, It would be also things like spending and taxation limitations could be imposed under that. The second is term limits. And both of these are 85% issues. 85% of the American public, regardless of party, are in favor of term limits. And I would argue not just for Congress, Glenn, but also for the judiciary, also for staffers and bureaucrats. This is how we clean out the deep state. And then the last thing is anything that would limit the scope and the power or the jurisdiction of the federal government. A lot of our problems came out of the reinterpretation of the Commerce Clause. There's no authority in the Constitution for the Department of Education, Energy, the EPA, the USDA, the FDA. All these agencies come from Supreme Court, quote-unquote, interpretations that gave this power to the federal government. And the founders told us themselves, if the Supreme Court's out of control, hold a convention, propose amendments, and restrain the Supreme Court and overturn those things. So those are the things that we're finding that the states have wide agreement about. You know, I've been pushing for almost a um, a sanctuary state kind of attitude until we get to a uh, convention of states to where the the states that are in conservative hands uh, and want to conserve the Bill of Rights Anytime the federal government is doing something that it doesn't have the right to do, we're a sanctuary state for the Bill of Rights. We're not going to do that. We're just not. But that's going to cost these states an awful lot of money. If they decide to not participate, you're going to see banking, 
uh, big business uh, and the federal government attack these states and try to just put them out of business and make it economically really painful for them. Do the states even have a chance to to stand uh, against what we have going on now? I think they do. And by the way, I'm in, I'm in favor of that. I've talked to our mutual friend, Daniel Horowitz, a lot about this. Our grassroots are in favor of that. It's not an easy road. We've never had an easy road to hoe, those of us who love and fight for freedom. It, it is doable. I think there's, there's a commercial aspect to it. You've discussed the oligarchy and the government and their alignment. Part of this is an, is an oligarchical problem. And what I mean by that is we are beholden now, you and I and all conservatives, to commercial interests that don't like us, that want to shut us down. We've seen this, obviously, with Parler and others being scraped mm-hmm. from the web. And so I'm in the process of building something called the stack. We need, as conservatives, everything that we need to operate in a digital world from the cloud to the ground, everything in in between that would include conservative banks, uh, conservative web hosting, conservative email services. If we don't have that, ultimately all of us will be controlled and erased from the digital world. This is fantastic. Tell me you have some big backers on this. I do. There, there are uh, billionaires across the country that are very interested this, in this, and we are in early stage planning because this has really been motivated. I've been saying this for years, but it's really been motivated by what happened to Parler. Uh, and so I'm talking to wow. the folks behind Parler and a lot of other people, big money folks and technologists on the right who want to make this happen, who believe it has, has to happen. We're currently working on the email services provider, the uh, customer resource management, what's called, right. commonly called CRM. We're working on banking right now. I have a bank arranged. We're working on merchant account providers so people can take Excellent. credit cards. All of it is in the works currently. Glenn. Good. We, we must have that. I'm very concerned about the banks, uh, and I think that's going to start happening soon. Mark, keep us up to speed on both of these things, will you? Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Uh, that's uh, Mark Meckler. He is uh, with the Convention of States, and you can follow him and uh, contact him, conventionofstates.com. Follow him on Twitter at Mark Meckler. Right. Hey, what do you use for headphones when you have them? I mean, usually my kids have mine. And uh, and quite honestly, they look ridiculous uh, with the with the white sticks, you know, yeah. hanging out. Uh, I hate that. If you're if you've got iPods, I hate that. It just looks ridiculous. The good thing is they don't fall on the floor and then you step on them. Uh, uh, no, that, that happens all the time. Happen. Oh, it does. Yeah, it does. Wow. They don't fit. They're they, uncomfortable. They should come up with headphones that kind of fit flat to the ear, so they're not like dangling below and look you stupid. You mean kind of like Raycons? Oh, Raycons. Mm. Uh, Raycon. I I bought uh, two pair. That way, my kids can uh, fight over that pair, and I have a pair. Unbeknownst Smart. to them. Raycon now offering 15% off all of their products, and uh, they fit in your ear. They don't fall out. They're comfortable. They sound great, and half the price of anything you're buying uh, that's all white and uh, is represented by a fruit. Buyraycon.com slash Beck. That's buyraycon.com slash Beck. Get 15% off now. Buyraycon.com slash Beck. Oh, no, this is great. Um, what if moms got paid for all the work they did? You know what I'm saying? It's called the Marshall Plan 
for moms. And uh, Biden is considering this. It's uh, it's twenty four hundred dollars a month for moms because, you know, they work weekends. They work overnights. They work twenty four seven. Dads don't no, don't work weekends no, don't. or overnights. Nope, nope, nope. Okay. They're men. They're men. They come home. They have that poor woman mm-hmm. pour him a beer. You know, if they don't have a remote control, that's what she's having to do. Not only birthing babies, but, you know, taking mm-hmm. care of the babies and then also having to switch the TV because that bastard, because he's white, doesn't have a remote control. Or maybe he does and he just doesn't want to no, show her. Moving your thumb that much is really, it's, it's, it's hard. more work than people realize. It's, it's not remote control. You're still moving your thumb. Right. Exactly. Remote that's control what I was, would be, would automatically do it when I think right, about it. Right. Now, there's something else now going uh, through uh, Congress. Uh, Yesterday, um, Andy Biggs, a Republican, probably a racist from Arizona, introduced a bill that would bar the federal government from collecting information to identify who's received a COVID-19 vaccine. Um, Because he says you shouldn't have to show papers, you know, if you're going someplace. Yeah, I will say being on the other side of this, it's a it's a tough one because both of us have had it, right? Why am I wearing a mask right now? I can't give it to anybody. I can't get it. Mm-hmm. I'm doing it for show, mm-hmm. right? Why am I, why are concerts and and tightly crowded bars where people are sneezing on me not open to me? Mm-hmm. I already had to deal with this nonsense. Yeah, so did I, but uh, I don't want to have to show papers that I could get in no, or right. travel or anything else. I'm, I'm, I'm actually with the Biggs bill. Let's not turn into the papers, please. Yeah, so that all the people who have absolutely no reason to de- participate in these restrictions can continue to do it. It sounds great. I love it. I know I'm living it right now, and I freaking love it. Wow. Ugh. Wow. No more power <laughs> to the government. Well, no, this of course not. The Glenn Beck program. They're controlling you already! <laughs>